the city. It is this sprawling, massive place, miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS episode 350. Being recorded Monday, July 12th, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? Doing okay, man. I have a, I had an eye issue. I still have an eye issue. Do you? Look at it. We start out with ailments again. Yeah, exactly. Do you know why? Because we're too old? Everything's everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. No, we're going to skip that. Let's go to something cool. So I think I'm in the lead, Sean, and here's why. I have submitted three games for Game Ocon. I've got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday game. What do you got? I, I have two. Oh, see, I'm winning by one. Bar. So I, I'm, I'm running in. No? Ooh. no? I'm running an Avalon game with 5e, an Avalon game with Osric, and then running a World of Darkness game. Because, like, you know, I pimped World of Darkness on the show. I'm like, I got to run that. That's going to be fun. It's true. So that'll be a good that'll be a good time. So those are out there. Forget about it and the other one. Ah, the other one. Ah, yes. What the hell did I submit? Uh, Mothership. 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 And then I'm gonna do another one. I don't know. I got Kingdom from Ben Robbins today. That's uh that could be that might be hit or miss. Like people might be like, "Ah, I'm not gonna sign up for that thing. But it's so, no prep. Yeah, you'll be fine. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so in other kind of wacky coolness, let's see here what's happened. You sent an email out. I actually got a copy of it. It wasn't as horribly blasphemous as I thought it would be. So Red is on our email list. I'm glad I signed up for that. I feel when I feel informed. Good. I'm not sure I like some of the moderators you've chosen i mean uh you've got guys like harrigan which uh a little rough but uh well, i think he'll be okay you know um <laughs> actually it's cool need we, you for we need you for more important things so okay i see i see operations decided to, to move on those individuals and figured we didn't need to escalate it all the way up to the sea level so you reorged underneath me without talking to me no, i'm kidding it's totally fun it's awesome uh very good stuff. Oh, so speaking of crazy, weird-ass good stuff, so one of our listeners, Mr. John Steve, um, heard Sean and I talking about um, Forbidden Lands, and he said, hey, I've got this stack of stuff. I think I'm going to get to it. Hey, Brad, I'm sending this to you. I'm like, what? Dude, holy shit. So I have his, forgot, his Forbidden Lands box set and stuff. So holy crap, thank you. Thank you so very much wow and i gotta say the the quality of the of the books 
the box set itself, the box. I mean, I'm going to just go off for a second. The box is a high quality box. It's going to take a beating, right? It doesn't have that old. I'm so used to box sets being those flimsy ones, like from the old TSR days that would just fall apart on you. Kind of like, kind of like starting a new TSR. It just kind of falls apart on you. Um, but anyway, whoa. but the box set itself is great. And he had the cards, he had the dice and grief, some other, I, it's awesome. So I started reading it and I'm like, huh, it's got a really good hook. Like you talked about, Sean, you know, the blood mist and the, basically the necromancer, the whole bit. And like, wow, this is pretty freaking cool. And I hinted at this <coughs> as being an option for my home gaming group. And like, huh. Hexcraw, huh? You know, Brett, that's something we haven't done before. I think that'd be fun to do with a whole new rule system. So, thumbs up. I think I'm going to have a good chance to get it, get it to the table with my home group. So, that's making me pretty happy. So, speaking of, though, Sean, how... Um, let's talk about gaming. Would you... I'll lead off. I gamed with... Um, let's see here. Last week was Undermountain with my buddy Alpha. We got in a long, very protracted brawl. And I can see where if, at first we were using the whole fog of war, the whole you can dynamic lighting thing in roll 20. It was a lot of fun at first. I am finding, though, that because then where ha my character happens to be, I can't see the rest of the action when something's happening on the second floor. I am zoning out. I was over to Alpha's place. He's the DM for it. And I was mentioning to him last night while we were shooting pool and drinking in his place because he got a pool table. And that's what you do. And he said, huh. I said, you know, I, I think he said, well, we've done that before with Rage of Demons, you know, out of the abyss type of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but that's happening in front of us. I could see all the minis. I could see what's going on. I'm seeing the, the events play out. And when you go, oh, new monster shows up. Oh, it's a pile of gore. Oh, my God, another Vrock. I'm only hearing it like in a distance. It's like watching an actual, it's like watching a YouTube actual play. That's very visual and only getting partial cues. Cause no one's describing what's really happening. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, man, this is uh, I kind of think we should turn off dynamic lighting. He's like, I don't know if I'm just, I said, I'm just telling you, man, cause Zave's character went down. He got poisoned by some drow sleep. I saved him. But for the whole fight, neither he nor I had any fucking clue what was going on on the second floor, which took most of the evening to get through. It was a big brawl, tons of drow. We just barely escaped by luck, you know. I'm like, ah, okay, downside to dynamic lighting. If the group gets a little ahead of their skis or you can't quite see what's going on, it's like listening to someone in the other room play a really fun game of D&D &D you wish you would have been invited to. <laughs> that's how you, it felt. You didn't run down there. I couldn't get there because oh. the because I, I run up there and the, and the base of it, I might you know my rogue sneaks up and it's like loaded up with like drow and a wizard and a priestess. I'm like I, I can't get in there. I have no hit points left. I can't wade in through that. You know, it was just tactically I I couldn't find a way to get to where the action was. So, and it may have been a once in a you know one time occurrence type of thing, but. That was a case with dynamic lighting. Just uh, I zoned out. Hmm. I started reading a book. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm like, bad I told him. He's, bad player. I know. I'm like, man, I feel naughty. But I was like, I'm fucking bored, man. I can't see what's going on. This is frustrating. So hmm. we talked about it, though, which I thought was 
the adult thing to do is say, hey, I'm not keen on this. What could we do? How does this matter? Maybe I should do something different. So we hashed it out and it was kind of, it was a good discussion though. So pretty cool. And then I ran Front Realms First Edition for AJ and Alana. I'll tell a quick story here. And this is where this the topic for today comes up through this game I ran for the kids. And uh, I had laid out a bunch of clues in front of them that they were in this little wilderness trek they're on, that there were ghouls in the area. I laid out some in, like, hey, there's a chewed on body. Here's a more chewed on body. Here's more evidence. No one's putting two and two together. Here's a hole in the ground that stinks really bad. There's body parts and bones. What does Alana say? Let's go down there and see what it is. We're stalwart adventurers. And they almost died, but they were really smart and like, fuck this, we run. Right. <laughs> so it was really clever. And I'll tell the the other piece of it later, but it was uh, it was a damn good game. So, Sean, what happened to you? Anything fun? Yeah, I had a TPK. Oh, I'm so proud of you. It's not not completely. There was what do you one mean? guy who whoa, survived. Whoa, that's not then. That's not a TPK. Kind of, kind of as a, in a mummy state. You know, if that counts. That's not a TPK. He's alive. Well, that's true. Well, kind of. If he didn't varnish the floor with his PC's brains, he's not dead. Come on now. Well, yeah, I guess. I so, guess you, you just don't have a killer instinct. Forbidden lands. Yeah, they're just. So what's going to happen? They just they flip the virtual table on you and you burn your books. <laughs> and you, it was a kind of like. Fuck was, this. No. And they just kind of don't want to play with you anymore. No. What's the that, end result? That came after all the cameras went Ooh, off. After yeah. the cameras went off. Then right. they, and I don't know about it. <laughs> Uh, so what comes after next? The cool down period. After the cool down period, yeah. <laughs> they, um, we're gonna go again. We're gonna continue with Forbidden Lands with different tunes. Probably okay. around the same time, maybe a month or two later. Doesn't you know the time frame wise? But yeah, they're all writing up new characters. So I reinstalled a lot of stuff in Foundry and. I'm going to take some of the feedback because I, I solicited feedback and got some very valuable feedback from the guys um, and, and then take that forward and give them, I already knew some of the things I even brought it up to you, Brett, like okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, getting hung up what's what's in the book and stuff like that. So, so. I, I received this, this letter, like on, on unaddressed <laughs> envelope. It was like cut out from magazines and newspapers that said, I'll get you, you fucker for what you did. Yeah. I assume it's for you. So I'm, I'm forwarding it to your place. Yeah. No, that's fair. So, you can yeah. Have that. so yeah. I, somebody I was angry. I just figured I'd pass it along. Four, you know, one out of four. I mean, yeah. I could probably, I probably know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it was pretty, it's pretty graphic. Just letting you know when you get it, it's pretty bad. So we'll be <laughs> kicking that off the f- next Thursday. I think if Very we've cool. got everything tidied up, which I don't think we need to do a session zero necessarily. And I'm going to do things differently. Like, Hey, you guys don't have a map. It's going to be fog of war. I'll tell you, man, though, the fact that you're <laughs> going to do things differently tells me you need a session zero. I'm just throwing I'm well, devil's advocate actually, just to be able to say, hey guys, even if it's in writing, something says feedback received, here's the tweaks or here's the differences. So people understand. Might yeah, be worth it. yeah. I mean, certainly could do it. It wouldn't hurt anything. But I think with some of the things, I think a session zero 
with uh, the same group a second time is different than hey we're ne- we've all never played together. This is like in in my industry when you've got a statement of work from a vendor and you've got a change order. I understand sure. all the terms and conditions. I get that. That's in the original SOW. Yeah. This is the change order. Oh. It says now we've adjusted how this is going to work. Leave you know? it to Brett, Director Brett, to bring yeah. work into our <laughs> flipping arch RPG podcast. Like what? You guys, come on now. Camp Sean. I don't want to hear anything about how Brett's a great guy anymore. I, saying I'm a good director. It's a good thing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so if, if it, oh sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. no, I was just gonna say. So that's that's what we're gonna do, and I will give them more to figure out. Like, what do you guys gonna do? Here's your, you know, what? Here's all your options. You know, man, I'll tell you though, the fact that you've got a group of gamers, they're BSers, so they're good gamers, right? So they're good people. But you've got this group of great folks that want to play games with you, you know, sure. for whatever reason. I am paying. I am paying them. Checks in the mail, guys. Appreciate um, it. Because you, you need you need some friends. Um, but I don't have any kids, fact, so I'm going to be, you know. The fact a, that they want to keep going, they want to keep going with the same game, though, and that you're still interested in it. I think that speaks to how the group is gelling and also to that the game is working for all of you. Not only is the group getting along well, but they all said there's more to do with this system. There's more to do with this game, this environment. We're not ready to shit can that and move on to you know, mothership or something else. So like, no, there's more to be done here and we want to do it with this group. I think that's pretty powerful. That's a good, yeah. that's a fun, that's fun. When yeah, that no, I certainly appreciative of that and fortunate as well. You should anything. be. I totally am. And count my lucky stars every, every day, every night at the same time that has, that was an option. Like, Hey, does anybody want to take over the reins as game master? Do we want to try something else? And there is, it wasn't completely ruled out. I just said, screw you guys. We're going to play this anyway. So oh, what, which as well, you should. Right. I mean, so for it is, they, I think they threw up their hands and said, okay, go great. Now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And so then if you did, Cyberpunk oh, kicking off tomorrow. Night. Oh, that's right. I was just going to ask you about that. So you had Cyberpunk as tomorrow. Okay, cool. Very yeah. cool. If somebody missed out on the email that you sent, where do they sign up? They just go to Gamehole or Gamehole. Good God. GamingNBS.com. Is that where they go? GamingNBS.com forward slash newsletter. There you go. Yeah, we got some good feedback. And uh, we had some pint glasses left over from cons that we had bought them for. So I put some of the inventory in there and said, hey, let me know if you want one of these pint glasses. So most are accounted for already. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So we're unloading some of those. I have to find ways to pack them so I don't ship just broken broken glass. Piles of broken glass. <laughs> and then I have to refund everybody their money. So uh for those of you I, I, I haven't sent like by the time you hear this, it may be sent, but I meant to do it this weekend. I didn't have time. So they're coming. Don't worry. Very cool. But yeah. That's the newsletter. And it was, we had, you know, a little talk about our moderators, what we're running at Game Hole Con. And so we'll, we'll switch it up every month, maybe do a monthly thing and see. There's a, there's feedback that I got that's in the random encounter talking about the newsletter. Oh, very good. Yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of feedback, Edwin Nagy was looking for something. Why don't you read that one out? 
So Edwin Nagy of he, he works with and for Frog God Games, and so he posted this in our forums. I'll put a link in the show notes, and I don't. He didn't put a date on there, but I'm like, hey, man, when do you need this feedback? So he says, Frog God Games is celebrating our one-year anniversary of organized play in the Lost Lands, which is Swords and Wizardry, 5e, and Pathfinder. Info is mostly available on their Discord server, so he's provided links and invites to that. That's the promotion part of his shtick. But he says, as part of this event, our senior editor, Jeff Harkness, and I are hosting a discussion about modifying and publishing adventures for different rule sets in this case, within the broad D&D spectrum. So as certified listeners to BS, I'm hoping you could help us with some questions or areas of discussion that you think might be worthwhile. I think we'll also talk about the strange combination of technical and creative writing that goes into an adventure, the tension between getting information across in a useful way and marking, making the writing fun and exciting. So if you have any thoughts in that direction, Edwin would be interested to know. So I will post this in the chat quick. Um, if you had to, um, if you go to gaming BS into our forums, gamingbs.com, our forums area, uh, promotion and question out there. Um, Edwin Nagy's got that under there too, which is, and I see Lux Strider and um, George Sedgwick got in on it too. So a couple of people have already responded. If you got something, take a look at it and throw it at him. Very cool. Thank you, Edwin. Awesome. Thank you for reaching out, man. That's good stuff. And you know, Frog God Games puts out good stuff. I mean, they really they've got some high quality stuff. I know Alex Cameron's partnered with them, and I know some people who aren't even like eh, I'm not a Swords and Wizardry guy, but they always uh, I've got a few other things. It's Pathfinder and Pathfinder stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying it's it's well done, well yeah. laid out, good art. It's fun. It's good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Let's see anything else, man. Not that I can think of offhand. Okay. I think GameholeCon, GameholeCon.com, of course, is going to have their events list is coming out. I don't know what the deadline is. I cannot recall the deadline for entering events. So I would strongly suggest if you're thinking of entering an event, whether you want to run it under the Gaming BS banner or not, um, don't hesitate. I actually, I think I, I drug my feet as long as I felt comfortable doing it. I'm like, okay, I got my ideas, wham, 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 and got them done. Because if you wait too long, then if nothing else, it gets harder to get the time slots you want. Because when they get them, Josh and the guys over there crunch through and figure out where everybody slots, what tables you can sit at, and and so on and so forth. So anyway, make sure you get in there and get that done. And if you want to run under our banner, awesome. Love you. Uh, let us know you're doing it. And that way we can help promote it. Because we want to tell people about our cool people running kick-ass games. So that's, right. that's awesome. Yeah. We good? Yeah, man. Yeah. Let's move on. All right. Let's get into Random Encounter. Off we go. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. You start. Yeah. I, I was muted. I muted there for a second. So I cough <laughs> in your ear. Akadokan comments on pulling mechanics in from other RPGs. Mining for mechanics and story ideas is one of my primary motivations for being an RPG tourist. Hey, good callback. Very nice callback. I'm always checking out new games to find cool new ways to run some part of the games I am running. Those mechanics get dropped in as house rules. I've been using some of these so long. I don't even remember where I got some of them. Yield roll a D6 is a rule I've had in my toolbox since AD&D. 
Stunting, aka giving your action an awesome description, earns you a bonus on your roll. Clocks from Blades in the Dark are a great way to run skill challenges, and they could be easily set up on the fly. I used Wraith the Oblivion's shadow mechanic in my D&D 5e game to represent the PCs being haunted while traveling through a cursed land. Every player played the shadow for someone else's character. They taunted, shamed, and encouraged bad behavior in others and used creepy voices to represent when they were talking as someone's shadow. Nice. I've used D&D parties, minion rules in my 5e games. Minions have one hit point, which allows you to throw a quick, throw a good number of them at PCs without overwhelming them because they go down quickly. That's some good stuff, Akadokan. I like those. Those are good yeah. pieces. And even if you, you know, don't take it directly, all the mechanics, and even if you just take the spirit of the mechanic, right? If I'm remembering my uh, Wraith Shadow mechanics, I mean, there's pieces and parts that are very core to the World of Darkness tool set there, the D10s and the dice pools, but the translation, not a bad idea. I love it. That's good stuff. Very cool. Let's see. Next up, ah, Lucas emailed us on the same for pulling mechanics from other RPGs. Hello again. It's Lucas from the middle of Nebraska. I'd like to comment on pulling the mechanics from other RPGs. So these are some of the things I'm doing in my current campaign. I'm currently running Massive Nile of Thotep. Next Monday is our 56th session, one whole year. Wow. That's God, awesome. That's, yeah. Good on you, man. And that's a big, that is a world spanning big. MF of a campaign. So that's very cool because most people I know that have tried that one, just total aside here, um, Lucas, that they get partway through and they get bored with it, quit. There's a TPK of some kind and they just don't have the wherewithal to figure out how to keep it going. So very cool. 56 sessions, one year. So that's awesome. Once a week plus four. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He continues, we stick to the core of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, but I pulled in pulp luck rules from Pulp Cthulhu. I also give out Fortune, which is very similar to Fortune from Shadows of the Demon Lord or Benny's from Savage Worlds. Let's say the player does something awesome or it's their birthday or, hey, grab me something to drink before the game. Congratulations, you get a fortune. A fortune can be used to re-roll your roll, preferably use this before the push mechanic. You can spend a fortune before you uh, roll to give yourself two bonus dice on your roll, which can offset penalty dice. I also um, use what are called, called clue dice. I think this was inspired by Trail of Cthulhu in this rule set, but I can't remember. Every time they find a clue, they get a D10 that's put in a pile at the center of the table for anyone to use, which can be used by being rolled and then substitute for any of the D10s positioned in the D100. So the group is in a stress situation. They look at the pool and they think, hey, there was a clue that helped me get in this mess. <laughs> Grab and roll a D10. And this roll can be used to offset a critical failure. Or it could give them a success, but also at the end of a chapter, the dice are all that are all left get rolled and are granted as bonus skill points. Skills under 70. Oh, nice. I also have used the initiative system for mothership. Players make a dexterity check. If they succeed, they go before the threat. And if they fail to go, and if they fail to go after. Higher degrees, success, or failures may give the players advantage or disadvantage on the turn. Those are things that I come up on the fly. These are just some hacks I've made over the years for my Call of Cthulhu games. And I find them fun and enjoyable. So if any other BSers want to use, go ahead. I don't make the games L LOL. <laughs> it just makes my games a lot more fun and faster. But don't get me wrong. When players have to spend all their luck to survive a situation where they would have died, it's still worth it to ask them, um, so how do you survive? The response usually isn't, well, it wasn't easy, but 
<laughs> Thanks for taking a moment. Read my emails. Keep on rocking. Those are some cool ways to add stuff to Cthulhu running a little bit, uh, a little pulpy, obviously, because you could get the very nihilistic purist Cthulhu. But I think in some of the longer term campaigns, the pulp at version of it lends itself to the possibility of completing the whole campaign or lasting longer. But um, I have John Wick mentioned the, the dice in the center type of thing. And I think he may have that in a couple of mechanics of games he's written, but he mentioned it in uh, the play dirty stuff way back in the day. And, you know, if you succeed, you get, you get like this cool die. If you fail, I take a die out type of thing, you know, where, Having that, and I think it's really cool that if it's out there, someone in the group, I do something cool, amazing, whatever it is, I get a die for the whole table. So Sean, Eileen, whomever can grab it and roll with it, you know, and I think that's awesome. Like that's a really cool mechanic. And that's one of those pieces that in my head, I want to keep, I want to use, I keep forgetting to pull that one out because it's very agnostic. You could use it in a D&D game. It's an extra D20. It's an extra, you know, um, well, inspiration die or something. So that's pretty cool. I like that stuff. Thanks, man. Yes. Thank you very much. Over to you, sir. Forum user Bingo comments on the Cortex RPG system. You mentioned Cortex during the podcast. Definitely something I would recommend. Our group first used the Smallville Cortex system for supernatural uh, Serenity campaign, Firefly setting, but supernatural frame. We flew around the verse on our ship investigating the supernatural and hunting demons. We are currently using the most recent iteration, Prime, for our two Star Wars campaigns. While our group was initially a little skeptical about the system, but are now converts. It's so flexible with some practice, you can design a set of mechanics that create the experience you're looking for. In the primary Star Wars campaign, our characters are former Jedi apprentices who fled Order 66 to a strange planet unlike any other in the galaxy. Hard to explain. We built a Cortex Prime system that is just fantastic for force powers. In our second Star Wars campaign, we have street-level characters, detective, forensic specialists, etc., who are part of an X-Files-like team who investigate supernatural events on the strange planet above. Start Starting to see a theme here. I like it. <laughs> uh, using the same mechanics, we've built a system that is great for street-level characters where we don't even bother with character advancement. Highly recommended. It just takes some getting used to. Very cool. You know, honestly, I think um, a game like this, Sean and I have talked about this off the mics. I think it has some, there's something to be said. I think system mastery, we've talked about that before. If you get really good at a system, you can hack it, change it. You can, you, you feel like you can mod it up pretty quick. But from what I'm understanding with Cortex, one of the cool things here is that the modding is nature. It's like part of its core power. Yeah, I don't think you is can the, have a game yeah. without it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These to yeah. modify it's like, hey, I want to I want to use Cortex to play this game. It's that's its prime power. <laughs> you know, is yeah. to oh yeah, click click click, and there you go. So definitely cool, very neat, awesome. That's one more one more tick, and then we got to check that out. Hey, Sean. Yeah, Ghost is, he is Table Talk uh, RPG. He goes by Ghost and Table Talk. He's part of our community, and he is he is hell-bent on running Cortex for BSers in our community. So if you awesome. go to our Discord 
at gamingnbs.com forward slash discord or our forums, you'll find them on there trying to find dates to to bring people into a cortex verse one shot. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty big advocate of it. And he has run like he has a forbidden lands gate like game that he's made out of cortex. So he's Very kind cool. of like, yeah, he's taking a couple of settings and um, you know, some ideas from there and I tell you, man, there's nothing as fun to me. Some people were like, well, I want to learn from the person who wrote it. That's kind of fun to a point. You know, I'd like to think, hey, I want to play Avalon with Brett. That'll be cool because he wrote the thing. Yeah, that's neat and all. But man, I tell you, there's something really cool about somebody else who's a fan of a thing. You know, when, when Deshane ran, you know, Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerers for us, that's cool because he obviously is passionate about it. You know, there's no sales pitch involved. There's no did you like the thing I made? It's like, Hey, this is something I like and I, I love, and I want to share it with you. There's something really cool about that. So that's awesome. Yeah, we, we get to meet him at game. Hold on. Yeah. He's yeah, coming. Yeah. Here I know. And, and he wants the, the Sean Uber. Nice. He's, he's awesome. He's put a call into the Sean Uber. So dispatch is trying to see if they can make that happen, make that happen. So very cool. Yeah. All right, what's next here? We have Stefan emails us about RPG editions. Hello, my sexy BSers. I really enjoyed this episode as opposed to really hating the others. Well, just kidding. <laughs> you sly bastard, you. And I've occasionally wanted to run an RPG in the world of movie, TV series, etc. I once bought the Babylon 5 RPG and was a big fan, but both of my friends and I didn't really like the system, the system made for it. So it was never played. I hadn't thought of using another rule set at the time and probably wouldn't have wanted to try to do all that work anyway. I was a fan of Farscape, Stargate, Bubblegum Crisis, the anime series, um, but leery of buying any of those for more or less the same reason, but also because I wasn't sure I'd be able to run a game in those worlds that would be as engaging as the stories of those IP. IPs. Excuse me. Today, if I were to run a game in Stargate, for example, I'd get the book slash PDF more for the fluff, the background information, use another system that I'm comfortable with, maybe a generic RPG system, maybe a product that may already have the stats for much of the props I would need. By props, I mean gear, vehicles, adversaries, etc. with a little tweaking. About additions. To invest in a new one, it would have to be one with significant differences to the previous one. I'd walked away from AD&D a long time ago because I didn't like many aspects of the mechanics. When 3, 3E came out, I was thrilled. Finally, a consistent D20 mechanic that covers not only combat, but skills, thief skills especially, saves, etc. And the simplified armor class system was so much more elegant. No chart needed, in my honest opinion. I remember running Shadowrun 1st Edition, and the net hacking mechanics were a nightmare. <laughs> I had reworked them for my group, and the player who ran a hacker agreed that my way was simpler and faster. But that was so long ago, I don't remember what I did exactly. After a while, we moved on to another RPG and never revisited Shadowrun, so I'm not familiar with other editions. Other than... D&D, I've only bought a new edition of the same RPG once, and that was Cyberpunk 2020 to the Red Edition, and only because my buddy Tony wanted to run some games in that setting. The core was familiar enough, and with just the right amount of changes slash updates for my taste, along with a new plotline to the world in order to take into account all the new tech and science since the original game came out. Yours fabulously, Stefan Dragonspawn. You know, I think a couple people mentioned that in the forums where when they get a new edition of a game, they don't want to have, I'll call it the the old school Cthulhu thing. Chaosium used to have a new edition of Cthulhu, three to four and four to five. It, it just didn't have a big change to it. It was kind of meh, you know? 
first first edition AD and D to second by some people was pretty tremendous of a change. You know, they changed this, changed that, no half orcs, blah blah blah. But most definitely from second to third was a big damn deal, right? So I can definitely see where Stefan's coming from. And if you are going to, if there's not that big a change to it, I know some folks were Savage Worlds aficionados that are still using whatever edition of Savage Worlds they bought. You know, the Explorer's Edition versus the Complete versus the Super Duper Complete versus the Blah. You know, uh, some folks who are into that that I have spoken with have said, yeah, I there's not enough change for me. Oh, it's not that big a deal. I just grab an errata. I don't care. Good enough. The core is here. That's what I use type of thing. So I can absolutely see that perspective because that could be, um, it could be a pretty, unless you're a completed, I could definitely see that's not the, not the big driver sometimes for folks. Pretty cool. Though. Thank you, Stefan. Anything you got on that, Sean? I would say, I would ask Stefan if he's checked out primetime adventures, but I don't know mm. if he has, if you want to do movie or TV series, you know, it's not, it's not a, roll up a character game it's it's a narrative based game collaborative i don't know if it's gm list i think it is to some degree but i had it got in on the new kickstarter and gave it away didn't give it away gave it to noble knight but i wish i kind of kept it but i again hence wasn't getting to the table but it's a check that out indie small press mm. um you know i gotta say though sean when he mentions I wasn't sure I'd be able to run a game in those worlds that would be as engaging as the stories of those IPs. I I think that's a really well stated fact that some of us feel. At least I know I felt that before. Sure. If I'm going to run this in Middle Earth, do I need to tell a Lord of the Rings epic in order to have people feel like it's really a Middle Earth game? Right? Does it should it feel like that? If I was going to play something in you know, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time, which I know Watsy put out ages past. Are you going to run like an 85 book series or whatever it is that he, I mean, it's a lot of stuff in there. It's big. And uh, some of those tales are so complete. You know, are you going to be able to do the same thing? I can absolutely see that keeping some people away from it. And that's a leading to some of the questions that we got from our original post around that. Like, do we need that? Insofar so far as like, if you take that question and flip it and say, could I, could I make it engage? Is there any way for me, non-professional screenwriter to make this interesting? I don't know type of thing. So that's a very good point, Stefan. I like that. Yeah, sure. All right, man, enough on that. Move on. Moving on. Feedback on the newsletter. Mirko wrote us and said, Hey, Brett and Sean, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed reading the moderator bios in the newsletter you sent out a few days ago. Really nice to get to know a bit about everyone's gaming and personal background. Yeah. Right, Marco. It's made me wonder, what would you think about periodically featuring a similar bio for one of the regular BSR community members? After all, we have an amazing community here with encouraging discussions on Discord and the forums and increasingly even games being run by yet BSers for BSers. I, for one, would enjoy getting to know a bit more about everyone. Not sure what format would make most sense. Email, newsletter, periodic, perhaps monthly segment on the podcast, etc. Anyway, just a thought. Thanks again for to you for building this great community, and thanks to the moderators for keeping it that way, Marco, aka Digital Hobbit. That's pretty cool, Marco. Thank you. I've replied to Marco and said that's a fantastic idea, and I've been thinking about idea. more community stuff to see what that looks like. 
Um, so yeah, yeah. I think it's got some wheels, Mirko. It definitely does. Yeah. I like that. Huh. And I do, I have to have to second. I read it. I'm like, damn, this is cool. Cause I, I mean, I know these people <laughs> type mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool because depending who you are, what part of our community you're interacting with, you may not, you know, sometimes faces to names, it just helps. This is where Sean, knowing how um, communities build and grow better than I do, is like, this is a good idea. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely trust you, Sean. Go for it. Look at that. Well done, man. Good stuff. And thank you, Merkel, for taking the time to read it and comment back because that's pretty helpful. That's a good, that's a damn good idea. Like you said, I think, I think if it. we feature one person, I kind of have an idea who it might be. <laughs> Marco, <laughs> you're you a buddy. Volunteered to be the first one, but it wasn't me. Too bad, pal. All right, thanks, man. What else? What do we got next? Ah, Hermetic Gamer emails us. Brett and Sean saw this article. Thought about your episode of being paid to run games. Businessinsider.com. John it's a pro, Barry pro DM oh my gosh, article. Yeah. Wow. He says he's actually up to date since October shows and still working his way backwards. You guys made cooking, cleaning, and yard work so much more enjoyable and helped to drown out the constant noise of the kids when I can't take it anymore. Keep up the good work. Hermetic Gamer, a.k.a. The Doctor. <laughs> no awesome. I'm glad to check that article out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Check out that article. That's awesome. Thank you. As corny as a it short is. One. You want the next one? I will, but I got to say this, man, is as silly as it might be when somebody says, boy, you just, you made certain parts of, you know, mundane piece of my life easier. It it sounds corny, but that warms my heart. That's cool. We've drowned out. We're white noise, Brett. I know, but hey, (laughs) white noise, when it's not there, you miss it. That's That's the point. That's the point. That's very true. We've become the static in Hermetic Gamer's life. Without us, without us, the rest of the world would be too... He'd go mad. Hermetic Gamer would go mad. Yeah. Without us there to keep Hermetic Gamer online. Yeah. So there. Yeah. We have to. We can't stop. No. We have to keep going. All right. Moving on then. Ty emails us. Hey, guys. Saying that I've been really uh, I've been really enjoying the show. This is your friendly neighborhood, Ty Monger, coming at you from California. I want to quickly make two comments about the last show. One is about adding stuff to existing game. We've been using the Dungeon World's travel system. In our ICRPG game, um, I can't remember what what index cards. Index card. Thank you. And Ty always brings that one up. Uh, mostly because the game does not have a travel system, and the dungeon world is so easy to implement and use is why we're using it. But I'm a big believer in the Frankenstein system of adding stuff from one game to another. Mostly because you typically cannot find a game system that perfectly fits your style, and you have to <clears throat> almost adapt to what best fits your group. Let's talk about the initiative, Brett. What you talked about. Um, of you sort of sounds very similar to uh, the <clears throat> I can't read ICRPG. The only difference is that they do a counterclockwise tabletop setup. What I mean by that is you go from left to the GM and you go counterclockwise around the table. That does mean your players have to think about who they want to go first. Typically the tank and then you move along the other players until they usually finish off the healer last next to the GM who will go absolutely last. Um, that would mean the tank will sit to the left of the GM. With this method, you always know who has to go next because they're always the person to your left of whoever spoke last. The combat always goes that way. The method makes the initiative a lot quicker and easier. No need to roll. No need to remember what order. No need to write anything down. Uh, who had what roles. It's always starting from the left of the GM. Hope I explained it well enough. If not, there's a snapshot from the core rules um, that you could use to help. 
Very cool. Ty, I got to say, that reminds me of, I can't read. I am so mad. I butchered the fuck out of that dude. I'm so sorry. It's all good. But I got to say, I actually, I did that in my vampire games for the longest time with the group I ran. Um, I don't know where I got it from, but it started with, we would go around the table. It started with a guy, uh, Chris was the player. He always sat on my left. We started with Chris and went around. Anybody else sat in Chris's chair, they got bumped because that was Chris's seat. He also owned the game shop and it was his table we were using. So he got the pick, right? So Chris, what do you do next, 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 next? We all said that if I got to you and you knew what fucking order you in, if I got to you and said, what do you do? And he went, uh, um, I'll get back to you. And I would jump past you and I'd move on, go to everybody else. And they would come back to you. Do you have something? If the second time I came back to you went, uh, you lose your turn. And we just moved on. <laughs> I hope so by that time. Yeah, because I'm like, look, you uh, went all the way around. You, you figured it out. And if you were at the time, if I had, you know, eight people, 10 people, which is not uncommon, up to 13. If by the time I got to 13th person, if you didn't know what you were doing, you were not fucking paying attention and you didn't deserve to go. I was kind of the approach that we had it was like a little harsh, perhaps, but it worked. It worked very, very well for us. I, there's something to be said about that consistency piece is really helpful. Yeah. I would have, uh, I know one group that would screw it up every time. Absolutely. They would. Well, I don't know if they would screw it up necessarily as they, they wouldn't be prepared or, or is elementary it is, as it is like, it's the same every time. What would, would happen? What would happen is this. The first five rounds of combat would, would, It'd be Flaws. like waking somebody that smoked too much dope. Like, dude, it's your turn. Oh, oh okay. Right. It's like, you oh, I didn't go know right. That. You, yeah, right. You go right after Brett every time. Doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then it would be the same thing again. Right. Like, hey, hey, it's your turn. Now it might be somebody else. Oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. Then it would be somebody left the table. The person before them went. They didn't know. Then you'd be looking at them and they'd go, oh, I just came back from the bay. Oh, is it my turn? Yes, it's your turn. Okay. And then that would happen, right? Okay, so then eventually that That day- That is exactly why I implemented the skip you rule. Eventually (laughs) in that day, it would get kind of going, right? People like, okay, yep, 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 go, 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 right? The next session, people would sit in different spots. Then it would start all over again. (laughs) But don't I always go after Tom? I thought I always went after Tom. No, Tom moved. Yeah, I go after him again, right? No, 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 it's it's this- and then that way, like all yeah. the time. And all it would the just, time. yeah, rinse, repeat. I seriously, I implemented the skip over rule because I had, I had one player who was chronically never understood what they wanted to do. Always unprepared. Like, oh, geez. Oh, gosh. Oh, golly gee. Oh, gee, Willikers. Whatever <laughs> will I do? Oh, boy. I'm flummoxed. It was very frustrating because we just sucked the air out of the room. The combat's going. We're all standing up and yelling. And dice are flying and people are doing stuff. What do you do? Um, next, because we want to keep the energy rolling. And also what I found out was the reason the person was old golly G on Flomax is because they literally, the pressure was on. And when the, and when they're like watching the action, watching the action, watching, and it got them like, oh, it's my turn. It was kind of the weird shock of seeing all this crazy or whatever was going on. And suddenly, oh my God, it's in my face. Uh, pass. And then they always came back with something a very, very rarely, that I have to like blow somebody off completely. Like, I'm sorry. Look, you had two chances. No, that was the absolute exception. In most cases, 
the f- couple people I played with over the years who I had to skip over the first time always were back and ready after that. And it just came down to their play style was like high energy, Brett's yelling, people are screaming. I mean, literally people are yelling and crazy stuff is happening. You're like, okay, it's your turn. Deep breath. And you just lock up all four because you feel like a deer in the headlights. All this action just happened. What the fuck do I do? How, how do I top that um, type of feeling? You know? So we got a chance to pass you and everybody else who went was feeding that person help and so forth. So that they, when it came back to them, they had a really kick-ass thing to do anyway. God, that was a long way to go for that, but I like, I liked it. It was fun. I wonder how you would do it virtually Ty. Like you'd have to have discord. You can do alphabetical because that's how it sorts video. Well, depending but, what your depending what your video is, if you put it in a tile, it's just tick 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 tick. It's tick, not tick, the tick, same tick. for everyone, though, is it? Depending, and I'm running, so I'll just pick it. Yeah, but I mean, you're not gonna. Oh have, yeah, if everybody knows they go, yeah. Like, is oh, it the God, same yeah. order in the video for everybody? If it is, great. But if it's not, then you're like shit. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, huh. in person, sure, like a glove, man. No worries. Love it. Yeah, thanks, Ty. Thanks, man. Moving on. Let's get into the main uh, main topic. Main topic it is. All right, Brett. What are we talking about this week? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I had a gaming discussion with my kids post our um, Forgotten Realms game, and we started talking about retcon, you know, um, and why I do it to support PC and plot craziness as part of the. kind of the improv nature of how I run because AJ was talking about things he had done post game. He's like, yeah, I've made changes because you guys did something I didn't understand and how I kind of crushed it. And I explained to him, I said, that's a thing I do as well. I said, the power of the retcon is actually pretty, pretty cool. And then we got talking about what the hell does retcon mean? And we're like, it's, it's retroactively concurrent. Is that it? Um, What is it? So but the main piece I wanted to talk about was the the concept. It, it's very popular in comic books, the idea of retconning. Basically, crushing information, changing it retrospectively so that it fits, right? You have a thing, and in like a Spider-Man comic, they would introduce a statement or an action or some event that could conceivably fuck up the entire Marvel Universe or a crossover, or they mentioned the thing that suddenly has impact on the X-Men or has some impact over here, or Batman says something that impacts the Flash's world and so on and so forth. So the bigger the universe, the more shit that's going on, this can be very powerful. Does that make sense, Sean? You tracking? It it, it does. All right. So I, I grabbed I grabbed a definition, went out to the old Googles just to try to throw this out here. So uh, a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on previously described events, typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency. Revise an aspect of fictional framework retrospectively, typically by introducing a piece of new info that imposes a different interpretation on previously described events. The dramatic plot shift and accounting for inconsistency, the, the inconsistency was the piece that I try to master or try to work because when you're running an improv game, inconsistency can kill you, you know, because you're running, you're going and someone goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The last two ghosts weren't affected by silver. We actually tried silver. Why did it work on this one? That doesn't make any sense. And unless you can rapidly figure that out 
or tell everyone to go outside and take a smoke or have an answer of some kind, it can cause, you know, that disbelief to just come crashing down. You know, everyone's hanging their the suspension of disbelief is on a peg and sometimes it comes off the wall type of thing. So what I thought I'd start out with before we get into like the how and whatever was asking you, Sean, do you ever do you think of things within those terms of like retconning, like dealing with inconsistencies and stuff? I have an example that you actually used. I don't know if you would if you'll come up with it yourself, but I was curious. I say it's something is it something that you do? I don't. As it's as you've out, not really. I, I, no, well, I don't think so. So I'm gonna go your uh, Tomb of Annihilation game. Okay, Jeff oh. is Jeff is a paladin. Yes, Jeff, Jeff should not be raised or whatever it was, right? And he basically went revivified yeah. like ah fuck i need to do something different here i need to account for this inconsistency and you crafted something to oh, make it work damn you brett you got me ah there i Head am a bitch see you're smarter than you thought you were i i don't know if that's smarter or not but yeah and i think it's those pieces we don't often uh, sometimes retcon when people talk about it, they they're thinking about like these massive plot shifts and, and things right Sometimes it's, we've talked about this many times, haven't used this term, but when you make a mistake in a session, so you're going along and you say Harriet, and it's actually Harris, but you said Harriet, not Harris. One was a man, one was a woman, and you flipped names, genders, personalities, and you're like, oh, what do I, uh?" and you look at it and go, you know what? Doesn't matter. It's Harriet from now on. You've taken a mistake and you take the published adventure or whatever you've crafted or written and you retcon it, go, you know what, Harris, out the window. It's now Harriet. I have fucked up before where I had my <clears throat> like my key NPC good guy, NPC bad guy, and I flipped the name. So I went, ah, fuck. <laughs> I used the wrong name because one of them was cooler. This is a vampire game. I'm like, oh, well, I guess the uh, uncool name is the bad guy now. <laughs> well, it's just that's what it is, you know. So I think oftentimes we as game masters do that. And players, I think, have some power in that mistake component as well because they will forget their background or someone will say, aren't you a sailor? Well, it was mostly rivers. You know, I'd say a sailor from like a river, not necessarily a big ocean sailing. Oh, that's how come this side of the other thing. Yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't. That's why I fucked up and didn't point any actual points and not tying. I'm sorry, you know, or whatever it is. We we can just a small mistakes, you know, and sometimes it's even a big mistake, <clears throat> you know, where, like I said, you fuck up a name or a place or whatever it is. And I think it's important to use this, to use that, that tool in our tool belt here because it's verisimilitude. It keeps the consistency where you want it to be. I think that can be really cool. And I think sometimes when the players can come up with something really crazy and you want it to work and you want it to work and that'd be this really, they've got this really kick-ass cool answer to something, right? So let's take, they've been fighting werewolves and they have tried silver and silver's kind of working and someone decides they're going to try like cold iron and you're like, fuck, um, I didn't really think that far in my werewolf 
is are they fake creatures? This cold iron of this is there a cold iron story? But they've got this wonderful idea where cold iron's gonna take out this were creature. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it, it does, it works. <clears throat> and later on, they find out that that shouldn't have worked. You know, somebody reads the book, somebody checks something out. The official thing says it can't. And like, why would that work? And sometimes it's like that one time for a reason you'll never understand, which is very common in Call of Cthulhu. Like, the fuck did that work for? No idea. Elder gods, bizarre worlds, nihilistic universe, uncaring gods. Moving on. But in a game where you you want to have the consistency, sometimes you've got to do a little crafting to say, you know what, I'm going to break it right now. And I got to come up with a way. And that's sometimes a downtime for the game master. Like, oh, fuck, I let him use cold iron. Why? Why did I do that? You know? And sometimes it's just trying to figure out how to tie that stuff together because it was a really cool, crazy thing the players came up with. And you don't want to cut them off the knees and say, oh, I'm sorry, Be- because you're like, man, th- this trap is wonderful. They they pulled something out I never thought of. And they actually built all these all these pieces, because oftentimes when the players do that in that example, they'll say something like, well, remember, the werewolf didn't. When he broke out of prison, he went through the wall. He never touched the iron bars, which he should have been able to bend. Why didn't he touch the bars? Why did he go through the stone wall? That seems like a lot of work. You're like, oh, fucking whatever. You blow that off. Two sessions later, like, and the werewolf didn't do X. I bet he didn't go through the front door because that you said it was stout iron bands on that front door. I bet that's why he went through the window. Players come up with crazy ass shit, right? And you're like, fucking hey, they're pulling this wonderful plot together. I could either pull the rug out from under them or they're on this really cool, really cool path. Fuck it. Let's see where it goes. Right. Sure. Cold iron. But then you got to figure out how it works or whatever, you know? So in that regard, Sean, I know, like I said, you did it in your, um, your tomb game. Have you I did? So have you done it before or other things? Like when players make weird decisions, like when we decide in Star Wars that we're going to fly off and leave the uh, derelict ship because we don't want to do it, you know, and you cram. Well, they they threw that story out. New plot line. You know, what do I do with that? Do I just leave? Do I just leave that hanging there or do you meld it together? Have you done that type of thing even? Uh, I, I could and I, I don't know if I have necessarily. Um, it would, it's something I would consider. I don't know if I've like some of these things I've unconsciously done it. Like with Jeff's characters, that was like a complete oversight on the death curse of the whole plot. Yep. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So I dealt with it in game and that's how I readdressed it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not opposed to doing it. Um, it may, well, let, come me, in, let, let me ask you yeah. about your mothership games. Your mothership games are a lot more improv. Yes. So if you had an idea of what was supposed to happen and let's say you fucked up how they're supposed to grab the ship and so oh, on and so forth, which you also explained to me right, and you right. had to retcon, you had to retcon that fucker to make it work. Right. Did you not? I, yeah, I guess kind of like there was, yes. to some Because if you look at the actual book, yeah, it's in an inconsistency. Right. If you look at the, the 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 plot, if you the players hopefully don't necessarily notice big gaping holes in that because you you know you patch it up nice, but there's retrospectively you had to take new info and impose a different interpretation on it because oh fuck I did X and I shouldn't have 
quote unquote shouldn't have, right? Yes. And some people have commented on the mothership red planet. Like some of them, some of the guys that game in that group had read it or mm. had it and hadn't played it. And so even even Forbidden Lands, there's guys in the group that have like the spire that they went through. And like I think Phil said, Hey, I read that a while ago. I was kind of rolling with it. He never led himself to say, Hey, I know what's gonna happen next or whatever. And even if he did, and I read ran it by the book, he may have forgotten about it or whatever. Um but nonetheless, I guess where I'm going is I don't know if I will need to much going forward. And I don't know if you ever need to because like, okay, it's Schrodinger's cat, right? Brett, if you swapped the names of your good guy, bad guy, and the players never knew, yep. did it ever happen? Correct. Absolutely. Right. In that case, I absolutely. So let me let me throw this one at you. So the kids are run, my, I'm running my Frat Realms game, right? So AJ and Lana go down this tunnel. Yeah. And four ghouls come out of the tunnel. This is first edition. Touch. Paralyzed. How long are they paralyzed for? The answer is forever. Because the ghoul stat never says you get to save again. It never says how long it lasts. It just barely lasts for fucking ever. Good luck, kids. That's what AJ remembers his paralysis is. Yeah. AJ remembers his paladin has protection from evil on himself. And the corridor is so narrow, he can effectively stand in front and let everybody else back out and the ghouls can't pass him. Right. So like, okay, we got to get out of here. Well, then another ghoul bursts through the wall of this narrow tunnel and attacks the party from behind. No one's paralyzed. AJ's druid says, aha, entangle. I said, but AJ, everything's dead down this hallway. And AJ says, but he just broke through a new tunnel, dad. Does that one still have roots or anything coming through from the trees above? Ah, smart boy. Off we go. AJ effectively retconned that description. The tunnel is a certain way. It looks a certain thing. This is not effective, but it, I changed something and never thought about the implications of that change, right? He's like, but yeah, there are roots in there. Sure, there's roots in there. Why not? We're going back. We're clarifying the scene. We're adding stuff to it. That was a dramatic plot shift for that event. True, because but one could, one could argue, would, that, I, one could argue just, that it didn't, it changed. Like the scene you originally presented changed. Yes, which is exactly what a retcon is all about. I changed oh, and I have gotcha. to change it and I have to change everything around it. That's my piece. And what I'm saying is that it's the more we deal with that stuff. And um, I think in, imp in improv running, and you and I have talked about this for other things, is like sometimes it's like letting go, having fun, letting the players um, and yourself come up with wacky solutions or fun stuff. You know, this is a really good creative solution. I don't want to say no just because the adventure says nothing about roots from the trees above, right? It's right. a damn good question. It's a really creative thought. I'm going to let this work. I have to retcon the description and the way this tunnel works because I specifically set up. So it was just dead. Everything down here was dead and ruined because that was all more clues for them being undead. And there's a gas at the bottom of it, which thank God for them. They didn't go down that far. So they entangle that AJ's like shit. That only lasts around out. So they get out and they run. And the paladin is like trailing behind, trying to like keep his holiness and check and they're running and they see this cave. And I had this cave 
as a place where this um, basically where this sainted person from this ancient order of knights had rested on his way to find the flactory that they're trying to to deposit the flactory they're trying to get. Sorry, long way around. He's just like, oh my god, I see this thing. You're telling me I can detect that I don't detect any evil in it. It looks holy. It's got the order. Uh, it's got symbols of the dealing order around it. We charge into there. Well, of course, the ghouls can't get in. It's holy. So the ghouls can't get in. They can't dig in. Oh, my God. There's a little cairn of stones. This is wonderful. Okay. Okay. We can rest here. Everything's fine. And AJ says, you know what? I have a passive one on D6 to see if there's a secret door. I'm going to just, just, just for fun. Click. He rolls a one. He goes, oh, my God. Is there a secret door? He's up. He's standing out of his chair. He's like, oh, my God, secret door. Tell me there's a secret door. I'm like, you're goddamn right. There's a secret door. There's no fucking secret door here. There was nothing there to begin with. But I'm like, secret door. Why not? Some magic cool shit happens. And they're able to find like a cache of things that this sainted person had left behind. Some water that refreshes them. Some hero's feast type food that once a day (laughs) will provide. They're like, oh, my God, this is awesome. This is exactly what we need. Oh, thank God. And afterwards, AJ's like, did you have that in there? And I said, no, I've used stuff like that before in other adventures. But I'm like, this is a wonderful plot shift in what's going on. It's this dramatic event of AJ says, I'm looking for secret doors. You know, had he chosen not to do that, I wouldn't have even thought of it. So I'm implementing a thing, but I've got to figure out, I want to have something in here. It has to fall in line. So the cool shit they find in the secret door has to be related to the dealing order, has to provide some sustenance, aid, because that's what this room was about. This is where this person slept, recuperated on a very long and arduous journey. It has to fit that. And then everyone, and the kids were like, ah, yes, that is consistent. And Alana looked at me. She goes, well, it was really consistent. She said these words. I shit you not. She said it was really consistent. So I thought you already had it planned. I just, you know, you're making this shit up on the fly. But what I'm talking about is that that power that we all have, players as well, to either help instrument the retcon. And sometimes they're like, well, is there a secret door here? Like, and if it hadn't worked that way, maybe he looked at Sean and said, well, maybe he hid like a weapon or maybe he hid like a cache of holy water. I, as a player, I'm feeding this stuff. I'm telling you things that from a dramatic plot perspective, could make sense and the in the disbelief peg is still properly placed on the wall does, does that make sense sean what i'm saying here it does but it goes to like graham walmsley's book about some of the play, un- play unsafe is what play we're unsafe, talking about yeah playing unsafe and yeah and i think it's good but it goes to what if you didn't plan any of that yeah you didn't have to Right. So let me, so to be absolutely 100% blankly honest with you, I had planned a goblin attack with hobgoblins and an ogre. The ghouls and everything from the point when I started introducing bodies and clues, I made all of that up as I went. Right. I have no idea why I came up with it or where it came from, but I came yeah. up with this idea. I'm like, oh, I want some undead. I want to do something fun, something different. And clunk, 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 clunk. Right. There's, there was no plan. It was just going with what seemed to make sense at the time. So but I had to retcon everything so that it fit. Cause if you didn't do that, it's there's no consistency. Sorry. Go. Right. Well, that's my point is if you had it all planned and then you had to change it to what it made sense, then I think 
it would apply with kind of what you're getting at for the topic. I think if you just had three bullets on a piece of paper written down and you're kind of conveying what you're coming up with in your head on the spot and the players are kind of going with it, they get themselves into a pickle and a dead end. And they're like, Hey, by the way, is there a secret room? You know, well, give me a roll. I succeed. Some of that you may not have had down at all. Right. No, and, nothing. And none, you did none. Right. Yeah. No. And so, but it still has we, to be consistent. It has to be consistent to what's going on, the setting, and everything that could conceivably happen. Otherwise, it's just pure random nonsense that doesn't fit. If it doesn't fair. fit, if it doesn't fit, it's like a speed bump at eighty miles an hour. Thought for sure. You're like, what thought, the fuck was that? Thought for sure you were going to say you must have quit. I thought that's <laughs> if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. No, I, I thought was, you were going to say Johnny Cochran, man. I would not do that. Um. So yeah, no, I. I agree. Yeah. It will, yes, it helps that it makes sense, but there are some players and, and some groups that are like random table, chuka, chuka, chuka. You find a brooch in the middle of the woods. Possible, sure, you know, or I don't know. No, yo, I, I'm with you. I, I, no, I'm with you, dude. Kooky off a random table. Like, no, I, make sense. I have been in the middle of the woods in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, literally four miles from the trailhead, and I found a folding chair and a sleeping bag Shh. that clearly had been there a very long time. Sure. I'm like, the fuck is this here for? <laughs> yeah. There's no tracks, no obvious campsite. What's this here for? We dreamed up. My dad and I were like, well, maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's this, which is essentially the brooch in the middle of the forest and the players start talking about it. Now, some people could give two fucks about any of that, like random tale. Oh, I found a brooch. I put it in my pocket. Well, the better example would be you're in a dungeon. That's three levels down mm-hmm. and you find a plant in yes. a room. That's not lit. Like you turn a torch and you open the door and you're being pursued by ghouls and you go into this, you know, uh, where the night is buried you know, there's a sarcophagus yeah. or whatever, and you find out there's nightly night, the the mighty night paladin yes. buried awesome. here. Yeah. And there's a plant that's growing. And it's like, you're, I don't know, 30, 40 feet below ground. There's no sunlight. And there's Why a there plant. A daisy here? Why is there a daisy yeah. here? This makes no yeah, sense. There's a yeah. daisy and it's blooming. Like, that's like random table, you know, number five. Yep. You find a daisy blooming in a pot. Oh, Okay. I'm in a dungeon three levels down. Okay, that totally makes total sense. And the D and D normal answer is, well, it's magic. Obviously, it's just magic did that, right? And and that's that's a wonderful catch-all. What right. I'm saying though is that to keep the verisimilitude going and to keep the consistency going, I believe, you know, accounting for the inconsistencies, accounting for the weird thing, imposing different interpretations on a previously described setting, right? I'm Three levels down the dungeon, it's dank. There's nothing down here but moss, mold, and apparently hobgoblins. Fuck me, hobgoblins. Oh, my God, we've been fighting them all day. Here's the the nightly night's night, most nightly of all nights, you know, resting place. And there's a daisy. Night, nightly. Yeah, night, nightly of the, da- <laughs> of, the of you know, the, the daisy tribe. And he's just there. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And you, you say, yeah, there's like, you know, you know, it's like a grave and there's a potted plant there. And so it goes, a potted plant? Are you fucking kidding me? Is that, it's got to be dead, right? You're like, oh, no. Because, and you're basically, click, 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 click. You're just retconning the whole thing as it's happening. You're, you're, 
a statement was made, a description was given, and you're trying to, it's a new piece of information that you throw in there. I think sometimes even when we talk about when players say, I reach on the table and grab a bar glass and I smash the guy in the head with it. There's no glass there. I didn't describe it. It's a new piece of information. It's a dramatic plot shift where he's got a bar glass. He's going to smash in this dude's head. Sure. Why not? Sure. There's a bar glass there. Is it a mat retcon? What I'm saying is here, it doesn't have to be an all-encompassing all the events. I have completely rebuilt the DC universe and now it's the, you know, the new 42. I've re- completely rebuilt X-Men once again and now Professor Xavier can walk or whatever it is you've done. You don't have to do it that grand. Any previously described event that you need to change because it facilitates that, again, that dramatic plot shift or it's accounting for an inconsistency. I think that's a muscle that game as we use a lot. It's one of those pieces that if you think about it, it's super helpful. And after reading Play Unsafe by Graham Walmsley on uh, Sean's recommendation, I was thinking about it. And like, you know, that was a piece that I use all the time because of my game mastering style and the ability to make shit fit together is what makes improv feel consistent. And what makes a good improvisational GM seem like they really have their stuff together is because they can make that stuff fit oftentimes with, with serious help from the players, you know, coach coaxing stuff out of them or they're helping you do it, whether they know they're doing it or not, they're providing input to you. Some games facilitate that better than others, of course, but I just think it's having that skill is really cool. And one of the ways I developed it myself, and I'm not saying by any stretch, I'm a master of this. So please, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's the thing I like to do. But I, one of the things I started to do when I couldn't, I'd like, okay, everyone, um, I used, I, I still game with guys to smoke for whatever reason. They're unhealthy bastards. So I was like, all right, go outside and smoke. I need a break. I got to think about what I just did. I used to say that out loud. I have to think about what the fuck I just did. Everyone get out of here. <laughs> We're going to take a break. And you're like, oh boy, oh, we pulled the fast one on him. Uh, poor Brett, uh, that poor fucker. He's got to figure this out. Then they run off, go get a sandwich, whatever it is I got to do. I say, give me, give me 15 minutes. They come back. I was able to sit down, crunch some shit in my head and go, okay, this works. And I have an answer because I knew I needed time. I could figure it out, but sometimes I'm like, oh, it was a speed bump at 80 miles an hour. Kunk. Fuck. What the, what the hell do I do with this? Break. <laughs> Everybody stop for a second. I need to figure out how to make it work. And I think I have, um, I have game with people who do not enjoy improv gaming at all. Not, not just because it's like they're stodgy people and they, but, or they love their random charts or whatever, but there is a feeling of if it's not prepared or it's not like as the script is like, this is the adventure. If you fuck with the adventure, and I've talked about this before, my buddy Lenny did that with return to the temple of elemental evil. He mucked with Thrommel, the anti-paladin vampire. And we had a couple of people were pissed at him. Because he's like, that's not the adventure. You change stuff. He's like, yeah, but it's it, it's a great plot shift. It really was. And it fixed an inconsistent part of that adventure, in our opinion, mine as well as his, is that this anti-paladin vampire is basically just a room monster, which is weird. Like He's this uber powerful thing. Why is he just a room monster? That's dumb. He's like, you know, 20th level vampire blackguard guarding a chest <laughs> in a 10 by 10 room. What the fuck? It's just, it feels dumb. So 
I think it's in, even for people who don't improv like yourself, I think it's still a skill that you use perhaps more often than you, than you think about it. When, like you said, it's Schrodinger's cat in a way, Mm -hmm. but it's still something you have to do to keep your internal consistency going. Otherwise it's really difficult for you as the game master to portray a consistent world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does make sense. And I probably will roll with things a little bit more. I mean, you don't yeah. sound convinced. I've I've had, I had this passionate plea and you're like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter." It does. And I think it's good and <laughs> it's something we could lean on. I do like it as a thing to mm. kind of quote unquote use, but I think yep. it's very it's I go again, going back to how much prep do you do? Yes. And how much do you adhere to that prep? And if it's, and I'm talking, so if you took prep scale and on one end, here's the book, the published adventure. Yes. Nothing changes. And you run it verbatim. Yes. Great. Then on the other end is I have three key words that I have to implement into a four hour session. Yep. Iron GM style. Woohoo. Let's go. And then in be- everything in between. And so I think it's a good thing to use the retcon thing, the retcon approach, but I also think that it has more application as you go toward more towards more towards. It doesn't, mean it's not able to be implemented into a published adventure agreed but i think as you loosen things up then it becomes a more instrumental piece right if you have the three bullets you have to do this yes because if you don't do that then it's you know two pancakes walk into a bar and you know you're like what (laughs) this makes no sense Uh, right why why are pancakes walking what what's going on yeah it's it's so you almost have to take the three bullet approach and you have to run it using retcon stuff because you don't have all that published stuff yeah you don't have you know everything you're everything you're creating is the world on the fly essentially correct and any change or mistake tweak adjustment you make you're constantly retroactively providing a multiple interpretations and so forth to get things to stay consistent. Right. And, I think and on the other a, end, oh, sorry, go, go, go. I was going to say, and you have your players that are giving you mm-hmm. that like, Hey, is there a secret door here? I'm going to roll one, you know? And then you've got, Hey, yep. I put this together and that together and the DM hasn't, but you, the player has, and then you're like, is that, am I on the right track? And you go, Oh, oh my God, you're so smart. I can't even believe it. Which is, like you just going, oh, sure. Like I'm not making any of this stuff up. They can, and I'm yeah. going to use it. Yay. Right. And I think on the, on the other direction, like pre published adventure or pre-published name, you pick. <laughs> um, oh. um, but if you have that and you let's, let me say it this way. If the only reason you're using this approach thought, you know, just this way to keep consistency, this way to keep the verisimilitude going is because it helps you as the game master stay sane and stay on track and make sure you can produce the best game because you're like, look, I'm running around with the Frost Maiden and I mixed up a name. The players probably never know. Or you move the wrong encounter. You use the wrong map. You did something goofy. 
or you want to do something on purpose because you think, oh my gosh, this is a cool thing. I want to add this in. Whatever it is you're doing, even if it's only for yourself because you're a heavy prep type of person or whatever has happened, even if the only way you're doing it is just for yourself as Game Master, I think it's important to know that you can do that. I have talked to some people who have run and, and gone back and said, look, I totally screwed that up. Can we replay that? That's a yeah. legit thing to do because it's a game, right? Depending what you're doing, you can say, look, I fucked up that whole room. I I, I just, I, I wow. Um, yeah. Have you done uh, that? I have not done that. I've never yeah, done that. I, never, I never done it. I couldn't do it. I've had people say this to me. I hate, I don't want to name names because it's really sure. Well, they said, no, I just said, fuck it. Let's just either play it over again. Let's just shit can and start over. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow, that's a little crazy. A little over the top. Yeah. But it's, I think if nothing else is a new game master, right? So you're talking to new game masters out there and they're running Lost Minds of Fendover. They're running their first mothership game. They're running their first, whatever it is. And they're like, they're running the adventure in the back of the Simbaroom book and like, oh my God, I'm doing it wrong. Or I made a mistake or holy shit. I completely forgot what the, cause someone goes, what's this glass horn for anyway? Oh fuck. That was, oh, I can't believe I, we can often feel when you're running the first time that when you make a mistake like that, you have failed that there's no way out type of thing. And sometimes it's a matter of, yep, oh, oh, you never did find out what the glass horn is for. I'm making that up. I have no idea where that's from. But you can come at you can come at this and use this approach, this idea to retcon it and fix your inconsistencies to keep yourself sane. And I think it helps flex our creative muscles as storytellers, game masters, figuring out plots and all this stuff. It's like, how the fuck do I make this work? When I listen to Ed Greenwood and um, guys like Matt Forbeck and other people talk about writing and they talk about, I wrote myself into a corner and I had to figure out a way out. They wrote a thing and had to go back and rework it. They had to go back and kick out the inconsistencies, figure out some plot shifts, reinterpret a few things. And my character's back on track. We oftentimes have to do that. And I think if nothing else, my closing thought here is as a new game master or somebody who's getting into it and hasn't done it in a while, this is something you you can do. It is 100% legit. You've done nothing wrong, right? And sometimes people be like, well, obviously, Brett, duh, no fucking shit. But we can feel that. It can feel very crushing to you. I know the first time I ran a published adventure, I screwed something up. I felt stupid. I'm like, how the fuck? I've read this thing like four times in preparation for this adventure, and I still forgot this. How dumb am I? Players never noticed, you know? But it's it's just it's one of those things that I think um, it can help us realize that there's a way out. Yeah, yeah, you made a mistake, you forgot a thing, or you there's a bit of inconsistency, or you're playing it and somebody points out to you a glaring inconsistency that you didn't even notice when you read it. Like, hey, um, the world is kind of ending, and everyone's doing human sacrifice to stop the world from ending. Is there no one dealing with the human sacrifice part? Why is that not a thing? <laughs> Why is that not being dealt with? And you're like, that's not in the adventure at all. <laughs> Fuck. Holy shit. That's, uh, oh my God, there's a glaring inconsistency in this entire adventure. No one cares about the sacrificing. This is weird. You know, it, 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 that type of thing is possible. And when that happens, the power of that retcon, the ability to do this and reinterpret a few things, change a few things around, 
move some parts that's all legit and i think it's it's one of those muscles the more you do it even if you do it in your downtime in between time taking a break however you will soon the more you do it i think this practice will have you soon doing it on the fly coming up with good answers things that make sense and being able to pull shit from the table and utilizing it as well so i was pretty amped up about that one sean i'm sorry i totally babbled <laughs> over the top i totally babbled over the top of you a whole bunch I'm like oh this is really cool i just it was neat i just i when i explained it to aj and alana they're like huh well that totally makes sense oh that's a neat idea and aj explained how he's do of doing a very similar thing in his midgard game He's like, yeah, I kind of I had to do that because everything I had planned, you guys pretty much ignored. So I had to figure out a way to kind of bring the fight to you. I'm like, there you go. That's cool. You had us. You had some cool stuff. You didn't throw it out and replan it. You could have. But you said, hey, I could tweak this and bring the fight to these guys, you know, and that's cool stuff because it helps you as a game master stay sane sometimes. So anyway, got anything else on that, Sean? Or I'll shut up finally. Maybe. No. No, no, it's good. Good. Just do that. Just do, do that thing I said. Don't get hung up on shit. Yep. And as players, don't forget, you can throw ideas out there. That's right. Help, help the game master out. That's right. All right. Let's go on to die roll. Or let's get in a die roll. I'm saying the same damn thing five more times. <laughs> die roll. Two to four missiles points of game and a geekery you want to bring to you. Got three this week. First one, article in Business Insider, DMing professionally. I mentioned that earlier. That's from from the, the doctor, Chris, mm-hmm. who gave it to us. So, yeah. Hey, there's differing opinions of that. We did a, an episode a while back on it. Check it out, regardless. Second one from our friend Akadokan. The devil made us do it coming from Monty Cook Games. Looks, I... It, I think it's up my alley. I don't this know if I'll get in on it. It's a heisty game, man. It looks kind of like it's one of those things you like. This I this one has me interested, which is, I don't know, because Money Cook seems to put out some pretty interesting stuff, but they're always late, like crazy well, late. If you're going into it, low no, expectations. You know. Yeah, I'm just like, you know what? I, uh, I'll plan to play this in 2025. Sure. I'll put in now. <laughs> Maybe that's fine, you know? Maybe you want a surprise. It's like a time capsule. Could be a time capsule game. Yes, absolutely. Give them money. But check find it. an unexpected <laughs> present in the mail three years. Holy later. shit! I can't believe I did that. Uh, if nothing else, though, I think um, the pitch on this one is interesting. So check it out. Go over there and uh, scope that one out. So I think the pitch is interesting enough that Sean and I are both like, hmm, maybe. So anyway, carry on, sir. Uh, last one, Eddie Webb. If you're not familiar with Eddie Webb, he's been in the RPG industry for quite some time. He did Pugmire, actually. If, uh, it's a dog role-playing game that mm-hmm. looks super awesome. And uh, he announced on Twitter that he is one of the writers for the official Transformers RPG. One also thanks Ekadoka for pointing that one out. Saw it on Twitter. Um, his, his Twitter handle is Pugsteady. <laughs> Love it yeah. at pug at pug steady. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you come to Game Con, those guys and who is it? Matt McElroy and I forgot the publisher. I think he is it. It's not Onyx. Might be he works kind of for Onyx and 
one bookshelf, but he's, he's always like, Hey, want to play Pugmire? I'm like, ah, I got a game, dude. And it's like, all right, you know, anybody else? Wait, want to play Pugmire? But anyways, Eddie Webb's behind that, but now Transformers is coming out. That's a message. So if you're a Transformers freak and you haven't played role-playing games, I don't know how you would listen to this podcast, but hey, you play. Eh, there you go. Transformers RPG. That's all we had for die roll. What are we talking about next week, Brett? We're talking about breaking the fourth wall, Sean. <gasps> the yeah. fourth wall. Talking about it. So that would be like, that would be like, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I was talking the other day. <laughs> I, looked, yeah. I looked at the camera for people that are watching. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. Fourth wall. Get it. Yeah. For this, for this, uh, uh, verbal media. That was a wonderful visual joke. I know. Crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next time. So fantastic that's going to be outstanding i hope so all right yeah so if you are in the chat and catch us live this evening thank you so much brett and i uh stream every monday night 8 p.m central time us here on the twitch just head over to gaming.com gamingnbs.com forward slash twitch we'll get you over to us otherwise if you see this on youtube give us a like or a subscribe that we greatly appreciate otherwise you can find our flagship audio show on your podcatcher of choice thanks everybody be a positive force in the rpg hobby i'm sean and i'm brett good night and good game and all this episode of gaming and bs produced with help from the following bsers Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Stephen Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Schools at Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Emoth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Michael Dinos, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maura Reese, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hus Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Cass Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shorp, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Bob Fletcher, Vornak, and Andrew Lear. Hey, if you're interested... You could have your name read off at the end of the show. I know. Prestige, right? Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Hey, and if you don't want to give it the $4 level, give it the $1 level. I mean, it's less than the cost of a 20-ounce soda. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.